Hello, and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast produced by the ABA's section on dispute resolution, where we have conversations with members of the dispute resolution and prevention community about various topics of interest in the field. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Martin, and this week I'll be talking with Deborah Hilton, a domestic and international arbitrator and mediator with Hilton ADR Services in Durham, North Carolina. She has been a trailblazer for diversity across her entire professional career. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Adam. Nice to be with you today. Thank you for coming on the show. And Deborah, we're here today to talk more about Resolution 105 and the ABA's continuing efforts to increase diversity in ADR. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got your start first in the practice of law and then how you came to specialize in dispute resolution? Sure. I was a uh, deal lawyer for 22 years with a top 100 law firm and uh, really loved my time there, but was much found myself much more interested in the business side of things. So I moved into corporate executive roles, first as a restructuring office, then as a board chair, and then as a CEO. After about a dozen years in business only, I decided to meld my business and legal experience and in 2017 opened my ADR practice and built a portfolio of corporate board seats. And across your career, as we mentioned earlier, you have been a big proponent of diversity in the law, in your business career, and now in ADR. Uh, What made you want to focus on diversity and encouraging that? Well, I was fortunate to join a law firm where many paths had already been blazed. Uh, I frequently walked into conference rooms where I was the only woman. And the opportunity to have uh, greater participation for the many talented uh, women and minorities was a, was a natural interest of mine. Uh, I was privileged to be the first woman elected by my peers in the law firm to join that management committee. Uh, Later, as I moved into business, I was the first woman elected to the board of a family-owned, 100-year-old, nationally-branded ice cream company, and I was immediately made chair of that board. This was a consumer products company where most of the purchases were made by women, and yet this was the first time that a woman had been involved in the board or uh, in the executive suite at all. I'm still... active in various initiatives seeking to increase diversity on corporate boards and in alternative dispute resolution because it's abundantly clear that more diversity yields better decision-making and better outcomes. And if you, if you can talk a little bit about what some of the struggles were or what difficulties you may have had being the first woman in a lot of those positions, I, I think that would be um, interesting if you have any insight into that. I think it takes an ability to be focused on what one brings to the table, listening and respectful and not letting uh, the barbs and jabs uh, go along. I've worked uh, on occasion with uh, people whose natural style is to be a bully. And I watched how they would bully people on whatever the issue might be. And for me, occasionally, that, uh, that 
gender uh, dynamic was uh, present. I had someone who knew very little about the topic at hand as compared to what I knew say, well, don't worry your pretty little head about that. Uh, and I think the ability to overcome that, move beyond it, not get entangled in the emotions of it, and uh, bring the skills and expertise that one has to the table despite uh, uh, others' perspectives is, is the key for success. Now, to be sure, there were and are appropriate times and places to actually call out bias or inappropriate behavior by individuals or by larger groups. The types of conversations that we're having right now about diversity uh, helps to address poor and often unconscious actions in uh, neutral selection and to address that issue in a safe context. And like you said, I think over the years, some um, strides have been made into increasing diversity, particularly for women. But um, I'm going to ask the obvious question, why are we still talking about diversity in ADR today? It, it is kind of a shame. I was at an event in New York a couple of weeks ago talking about diversity and uh, one, several people actually uh, sighed over the fact that we're still continuing to have these conversations. We are having them now in the year 2019 because women and minorities are still underrepresented as arbitrators and mediators. Uh, in fact, uh, ADR has been called the least diverse area of the law. Uh, that's not, frankly, a contest that anyone would hope to win. Um, the percentage of the roster, that is the list of arbitrators and mediators that are available through case management organizations, uh, remains well below the representation of women and minorities in the profession. And of course, it's even more dramatically lower than the representation of women and minorities in the population at large. Historically, the selection rates for women and minorities are even lower than the percentage of their representation on the roster. Um, in looking at up, updated statistics for 2018, it's great news that that trend is beginning to reverse in 2018, meaning that selection rates, at least last year in a couple of the case management uh, providers, uh, were actually, selection rates were higher than the roster percentages. And I think that is uh, indicative of the good work that's been done. Sometimes it's hard to communicate statistics uh, in, in a, an only auditory format, like a podcast. Uh, so let me just sort of visually paint a picture. If we can all imagine uh, a typical conference room, for example, at an ABA CLE, and there are 10 rows in that room. If you look at maybe two and a half, maybe three rows, having women and minorities seated in them, that would be the historic uh, percentage of the, uh, and I say historic meaning in the last sort of three to four years-ish, the historic uh, percentage of the roster that's represented by women and minorities. That means seven or seven and a half of those rows are full of white men. Uh, in prior years, prior to 2018, 
only a couple of those rows would be filled with women and minorities who've actually been selected uh, to panels. Uh, again, happily in 2018, that pushed up to close to three rows of um, being women and minorities. Unfortunately, the bigger the case, the less likely uh, we find diverse neutrals uh, are present. Uh, in fact, if you look again at those 10 rows in a traditional conference setting, if the case is a large, complex case, maybe one row is filled with women and diverse neutrals who've actually been selected to decide a big case. And the rest of the rows are all white men. Now, let me just quickly say, I've got nothing against white men. I'm married to one, I birthed two, and I've learned a tremendous amount as a lawyer and as a leader from white men. I've got lots of very valuable relationships there. But the best learning and I think the lives that we, many of us live or certainly seek to live are filled with uh, a much more uh, diverse and mixed group of gender and races. And Deborah, as, as a white male myself, I think I completely agree with everything you said. And I certainly see the value in increasing diversity across ADR and the practice of law and in every other field. Um, and I really appreciate you giving that kind of visualization that you spoke about earlier. Um, I think it's easy to get lost in statistics and numbers, but when you can visualize that and see how underrepresented women and minorities are in a very real sense, it really makes you realize that this is an issue that we need to continue to address. Um, and I think going beyond just the, the numbers, I think it's important to talk about why it it matters that we have diversity, as in, except for the simple fact that it's the right thing to do. <laughs> yes, I, I think it's valuable to always think about what is the right thing to do, uh, but we don't have to rest on that alone. Uh, there is a tremendous body of evidence that in whatever the forum, better decision-making occurs when there's diversity in thinking, different perspectives being brought to the table enable the group to reach a better outcome. There have been a lot of studies about the impact of diverse boards on improved corporate performance to the extent that some of our leading uh, investors uh, remind their companies uh, the portfolio companies in which they invest of that outcome and expect them to demonstrate their diversity. Um, so we're looking for the better outcome. Uh, of course, alternative dispute resolution is a private alternative to the traditional court systems. And so whether it's voluntary or a mandatory uh, court system uh, mandated approach, the parties who have the dispute deserve the best quality of decision making. And that's why diversity is so critically important. Some corollaries to that include uh, the importance of the credibility of the decision. Uh, if there is a preponderance of uh, one group, that group obviously happens to be white males, uh, 
if, if that's the single focus in the decision makers, then the decision that's being reached may not be credible, particularly where you have a disproportionate impact of the decision on women or minorities. Third, and this may be a little bit more aspirational than true today, uh, we want the availability of uh, diverse neutrals to match the marketplace demand. Uh, marketplace demand for diverse neutrals got a lot of play earlier this year uh, when Jay-Z uh, rejected a list and tried to stay arbitration because of inadequate representation of minorities. Whether that was a uh, litigation tactic or a true objective, you know, I think the ability to meet the, uh, the demands of the users of the system to show diverse uh, diversity is important. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting that the absence or underrepresentation of diverse neutrals on the list may well perpetuate what is a fallacy and a myth that in uh, selecting diversity, uh, an organization is giving up quality. That's, that's just uh, erroneous. There are uh, tons of qualified neutrals, both uh, minorities and women. So it doesn't mean that to, uh, to go for diversity, an organization needs to sacrifice quality. Absolutely. And I think one of the big upsides of the, the Jay-Z matter was that it really shone a light on the need for diversity in a more public forum. I think a lot of this is discussed in ADR circles, but that got a lot of nationwide attention. I think it really did a lot to increase awareness of the need in the ADR marketplace. Indeed. So Deborah, the podcast that we're on right now is a production of the American Bar Association. What is the ABA doing to advance diversity in ADR? Well, I'm going to take a second. The, the, the short answer is they're doing a lot. L let's take a second and look more broadly, and then we'll telescope into ADR. Um, so of the ABA's four enumerated goals, they've only got four, uh, four specific goals. One of them is to eliminate bias and enhance diversity. So I think just by setting that goal out there, it's the foundation for many different initiatives. Some of the ABA's initiatives include a diversity and inclusion advisory council that creates dialogue across groups within the ABA and with other external organizations. The Commission on Women in the Profession has uh, many different initiatives that's and provided lots of terrific thought leadership and been a very important feature for supporting women taking their rightful place in the profession. Um, this, our section, the dispute resolution section, will feature diversity as a topic at an upcoming event on October 22nd of this year for Mediation Week uh, to be hosted in Washington, D.C. Our section also has a committee, Women in Dispute Resolution. Uh, it, it is open to all members. Its goal is to support diverse neutrals, including uh, women neutrals and their selection. Uh, WIDER, as it's known, maintains a directory of diverse neutrals who've submitted their information for the directory. Uh, so that 
old, I can't find a diverse neutral, uh, can, one way to address that is to look up the wider directory and that can be accessed uh, by looking at mbar.org slash wider directory. And that's available to anyone, not just uh, members of the ABA? Yes, it's not behind the ABA paywall for, for members, if you will. Uh, anyone who wants to access that directory can, can do so. And those are all fantastic ways for the ABA kind of internally to increase diversity and talk about diversity and um, allow networking and access to diverse neutrals. Um, but what has the ABA been doing um, to champion the cause of diverse neutrals, you know, outside of its own, its own purview, I suppose? Last year, there was a very important resolution adopted by the ABA House of Delegates. It's a very simple two-paragraph resolution known as Resolution 105, and it's really a call to action. Uh, because I wasn't involved in the uh, in the initiation or adoption of this, I want to make sure I give uh, due credit to the many people that were involved, to name just a few. There were many involved. The uh, resolution was conceived of and sort of driven by wider, uh, with continuing support from wider leadership that had strong support from the then section chair, Ben Davis, from our outstanding section director, Linda Seeley, there was a steering committee chair headed by Myra Selby. Many others put this work together to benefit many. So again, it's the Resolution 105 is a call to action. And there are really two targets, uh, targeted audiences in this call to action. One are the providers of ADR services, meaning the case management organizations. And the other is users of ADR services. And the resolution speaks to providers and users, both domestic and international. The resolution simply urges providers or case management organizations to expand their rosters to include more women and people of color. Most of the organizations had already been doing this and were encouraging them to continue to do that. And then second, for the provider organizations to encourage the selection of diverse neutrals. The resolution urges users of dispute resolution services to simply select and retain diverse neutrals. A lot of the meat or the background comes in an accompanying report, uh, which has about 10 pages worth of very helpful analysis and statistics of the roots of uh, the historical problem and what can be done to uh, move it forward. It's really worth reading for anyone interested in the topic. And if you just do uh, a browser search for ABA Resolution 105 Diversity, you can come up with the report and the summary of, of the report. And I would also echo that recommendation to to read the report, um, because as I as I believe the report discusses a lot of the underlying causes of the lack of diversity, and I think learning what those are um, is crucial to you know um, increasing diversity across the field of ADR. 
Absolutely. And I think it's worth our talking about those causes of the problem to start with. Um, I think the, the seminal problem, as highlighted in the report, is really the nature of the selection process. It's, it tends to be network-based. These are important uh, issues to be resolved, obviously. And so there's a desire to be uh, dealing with uh, someone that's known. So it tends to be based on the network, relying on the usual suspects. And then you get into kind of this uh, circular riddle that maybe uh, diverse neutrals aren't as well known. They're not in the same, quote, club. Uh, so they don't get picked and therefore they don't get the experience and they don't have the experience perhaps. And it becomes this uh, sort of vicious uh, cycle that perpetuates itself. Um, this selection process problem is really magnified because of the existence of implicit or unconscious bias. This is a phenomenon that, again, that's well documented across many fields and uh, the sense of needing a comfort of someone whose name sounds like theirs or who looks like them or is a, a comfort in their gender becomes a real problem in selecting a, quote, other as, as a neutral. Um, all of this, I think, is exacerbated, and again, the report highlights is exacerbated by the nature of the confidentiality of the process, where in so many forums, the identity of the panel doesn't get uh, shared or named, and the lack of any aggregator of statistics that helps conceal the problem. So the fact that we have only one row out of 10 filled by women and diverse neutrals who are selected for complex cases, the fact that that is hidden exacerbates the problem because people don't stop to think about how to solve it. So again, thanks to the ABA and to uh, the hosts of our podcast, Adam, for giving us a chance to call out the issue so that people can be aware of it and help solve it. Um, it's absolutely my pleasure. Anything I can do to help highlight and, um, and as much as I can to help correct these kinds of issues. Um, and Resolution 105 is an incredible directive and it's the report offers a lot of um, of solutions and at least um, highlighting some of the underlying causes. But what are some of the practical things that case management organizations specifically are doing to combat the lack of diversity? Well, given the limitations of this single episode, Adam, uh, I don't think I can begin to get into those. I would love to because I think right. the initiatives that the organizations have are really uh, exciting and they're ongoing and I encourage you to delve into that. Let me give you two key points. Uh, one, every major case management organization has important initiatives to promote diversity. They're committed to the cause. They are making significant efforts, and we're seeing good improvement on increasing number of women and minorities on their rosters and increasing numbers being selected. Um, second, it's really critical, and it's amazing to me how many uh, how many counsel, whether inside or outside, aren't familiar with this, 
the case management organizations want to be responsive to their users' desires for more diverse neutrals. Some have a standard to try to put out 20% of diverse candidates on a list, but every uh, council or uh, in-house uh, group that is seeking a list in connection with a particular case can ask the case management organization for more diverse neutrals. Uh, just remember, case management organizations are service providers, and they want to meet the needs of their customers. So uh, selecting counsel have a lot of power and can ask for even more from the case management organizations. Absolutely. And I know there's still a long way to go, but has, has there been progress? Is there, are there more neutrals on rosters, and are there more neutrals being selected? Yes, uh, if you can, again, imagine a graph, uh, the progress is a steady uphill graph, and that's, that's the good news. The slope is still a little bit short, but it's headed definitely in the right direction. And as I mentioned, I think some of the selection statistics for 2018 from some of the case management organizations were particularly encouraging. And I think that shows that the efforts of recent years are bearing fruit and continuing to work along those lines will continue uh, to earn a better return in selection and representation of diverse neutrals. And for those out there who are listening, what are some of the steps that they can take to, um, I guess, hearken to Resolution 105 and you know, affect some of its goals? I love that question, and I think again, if you uh, if you search for ABA Resolution 105 Diversity, you'll find a selection option for uh, a summary. And there was a tremendous summary done that has very specific action steps for each uh, group within the ADR field. So let's focus on clients and inside counsel. Whose, whose disputes are actually being resolved. Uh, I think there's a whole list that I'm going to take us through, but I think the big global one is awareness of the topic. Make diversity within ADR part of the DNA of the organization, of the client, and the in-house uh, law firm. Obviously, select diverse neutrals whenever possible. Uh, ask for diverse neutrals to be included on the selection list, ask for opportunities from the case management organizations to be included or to become familiar with diverse neutrals on their panels. Um, there, are there are contractual dispute resolution clauses that have an encouragement to wherever practicable seek to appoint a fair representation of diverse neutrals. So that means when that contract that calls for arbitration or mediation is getting negotiated, there's simply a reference to wherever practical will seek to appoint a fair representation of diverse neutrals. That sort of language in the dispute resolution clause itself can really help bring that general awareness front and center at a time that it's being activated. There are some very important public diversity pledges available from various uh, institutions. In 2015-2016, a 
a group came together to seek uh, a pledge called Equal Representation in Arbitration that pledged to present um, equal representation of women among arbitrators. That uh, Equal Representation Pledge for Women has been signed on by literally thousands of individuals and organizations. So again, in-house counsel and companies can sign those types of pledges. Um, probably the single most important thing, or maybe not the single most important, but a critical step that uh, clients and inside counsel can do is raise the issue with their outside counsel. For many disputes, obviously, it's outside counsel who's making the bulk of the decisions for selection of neutrals. So talk with outside counsel about it. Include a requirement in outside counsel guidelines to present dis diverse neutrals and consider them. Direct the outside counsel to reference diversity in the contractual dispute resolution clauses that they're putting into contracts. Uh, and encourage the outside counsel to take those same diversity pledges, the ones that the case management organizations set out, the equal representation and arbitration uh, for women that I articulated a minute ago. So you gave a lot of great advice to institutions and counsel law firms and those looking uh, to retain a neutral, but what about the neutrals themselves? Is there a way that they can help? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's, it's up to uh, the neutrals or they can be an important part of initiating and continuing converse conversations like this formally and informally on the topic of diversity in ADR. Again, that consistent consciousness uh, raising and awareness of the issue. Uh, beyond that, neutrals often are in a position of selecting other neutrals. When you've got two party-appointed neutrals who are charged by the dispute resolution clause to appoint a third, then all neutrals, whether they're diverse or not, should be thinking about making sure that there are diverse candidates considered and in appropriate situations selected as that third, uh, as that third neutral. Um, neutrals can also nominate and sponsor additional diverse neutrals or for membership in the ADR organizations. When I came to ADR a couple of years ago, it was at the encouragement of uh, a woman who is a real leader uh, in the field. She's a past president of my state's uh, bar association. She encouraged me to consider it and then has been uh, just a real champion and tremendous sponsor in writing letters uh, of nomination and commendation for me. Uh, and I'm committed to doing the same uh, for those coming along behind me. And I think in addition to the formal sponsorship and activities, uh, mentorship is particularly important to be able to mentor diverse neutrals as they're developing their practice. Uh, that's something that wider in particular is very uh, focused on doing and uh, not to spoil our uh, rollout of programs for the coming uh, year, but we'll be looking at additional ways to help people, uh, diverse neutrals, uh, build a practice. Great. And 
Deborah, we're running up on the end of our time, but before I let you go, I wanted to ask if you have any closing thoughts for the listeners. And I guess specifically one question I had is that if you had to point to one thing that could um, uh, move the needle, so to speak, uh, what would that one thing kind of be? Yes, I want to th- thank you for that opportunity to talk about the one thing we- that's missing. I think we talk about the- keeping the conversation going and keeping the idea front and center. Well, to do that the most, there needs to be some consistency in tracking and reporting. Organizations often use the phrase that what gets measured gets done. And there simply is no consistent measurement across the dispute resolution field for tracking how many diverse neutrals are appointed. So I'd love to see uh, whether it's a consortium of case management organizations, a law school, some group that creates a system for law firms and reporting into the law departments of in-house counsel they serve to report how many diverse neutrals they actually appoint out of the total of neutrals appointed. I think we need an honest broker who can retain the aggregate statistics and then provide the statistics back to any law department, any law firm, so that they can measure themselves against the norm. When we can find uh, a system like that, I think the problem will come uh, out of the shadows and out of the darkness, and there'll be a, a system that will enable us to keep uh, the objective front and center. So, Deborah, that's a great call to action, and hopefully, someone listening out there will kind of heed that call and start working on creating some uh, some kind of platform like that. I think it would definitely go a long way um, to increase diversity in ADR and the legal profession as well. Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really enjoyed listening to how you've championed diversity over the years and how Resolution 105 is furthering that goal in the ABA and in the broader ADR community. Uh, Listeners, please check back this time next week for a continuing discussion on Resolution 105 and diversity in ADR. And also looking forward, during ABA Mediation Week, there's a diversity event on October 22nd. And we'll have more details on that um, as it gets closer to that date, but just mark your calendars for that in the future. And as always, thank you for listening to Resolutions.